Hello, you're listening to the Life Worship Center podcast with Pastor Helene Robinson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this message. We're going to go to his word and see what he has to say from the word of God on today. Go with me to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Hallelujah. Amen. chapter 8 and I want to start at verse 1 and uh, before I start reading though, I want you to know the title of our lesson because I think when you start off knowing where you're going you pay a little more attention instead of all of a sudden the light bulb goes off midway the trip <laughs> so if you already know where you're going you tend to go there together but today I want to talk about an honest and good heart. An honest and good heart. We're going to go through some scriptures and a parable in the word of God that a lot of us have heard numerous times before. If you have been in the church at any point in your life, you've heard it before. But as I was studying and reading this particular passage, these two words stuck out to me, an honest and good heart. I need you to know that in these last days, coming to church is not going to be enough. It's just not. Sister Trisha and I talk about all the time about young people and young adults that for whatever the reason, at a stage in life, they have decided that church is not where I want to be. Some of them have been hurt in the church. Some of them have had experiences in the church that weren't favorable. Some of them had certain expectations of God and when he didn't meet their expectations, a lot of time if you are not rooted and grounded in the word of God, you will blame God for certain things. All of these things have a play as to why people aren't in physically in churches today. Well, I wanna to talk to the people that are in church hearing the word. And even in being in church and hearing the word, we can all agree that everybody in the church is not necessarily receiving the word. What kind of heart must I have for the word of God for me, for it to work, for it to make my life different? And when I say I am a child of God, I can mean it from the inside out. There are some of us that have been blessed to have children and our children look just like them. I can't tell you, oh, they look just like us. You know how you hear the saying where the oldest saints say, you can't give them away? <laughs> Even though you may have tried, you can't give them away. These are the children that look so much like you that if they get lost, they're gonna bring this child to you and demand, this is your child. There can be no exception. You can't, we should live such a life. As I was saying this, the Lord said you should live such a life. Mm. You should live such a life. Well, people are telling you who your father is. Mm. Yeah, yeah. People are telling you, I don't care how crazy you might act. They gonna say, I know you're saved, even though you're not acting saved right now. Get on back with your father and act like you know. We should live such a life that we are identified with him without anyone even saying anything. So if that be the case, what kind of heart must I have? 
in order to receive the word that will produce the life that God wants me to have. Well, let's look at Luke chapter 8. And I want to read from one of the a very um, blessed translation. If y'all get a chance, the Phillips translation is what it's called, the J.P. Phillips New Testament translation. Now, I will tell you all the time, make sure you compare it with the one that we know, the King James. But this one blessed me in my study. So I want to look Luke chapter 8, and I want to start at verse 1. And it says, not long after this incident, Jesus went through every town and village preaching and telling the people the good news of the kingdom of God. <laughs> he was accompanied by the 12 and some women who had been cured of evil spirits and illnesses. Mary, known as the woman of Magdala, who had once been possessed with seven evil spirits. Joanna, the wife of Cushah, Harris, agent, Sushana, and many others who used to look after the comfort from their own resources. So in other words, Jesus had a little following and some of them were women. I don't know about you, but as a woman, I'm so glad they mentioned these ladies in the Bible. Amen. We don't have to do no women's live. I still believe that man should pay for dinner. Amen? <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I still believe. Yeah, that was a good one. I still believe at Christmas time. I'm going to tell you how I believe. There should be more presents, y'all, under the tree for me than I, okay. I was raised that way. I still believe. You know, uh -huh. when the family got a new cartridge, daddy drove the old one, mama drove the new one. Yes, I still, yeah, I, yes. yeah, okay. I still believe it's going to take more money uh -huh. to take care of me than it is to, okay. Yes. So let's get back. So they mentioned these women in the Bible. So it was his 12 disciples and some of these women that had an encounter with Jesus. Now, what's interesting about this, an encounter with Jesus will cause you to follow him no matter what. Whoa. Now, even though now, even though these women were following Jesus and it was mentioned, you must know the women were still in the minority. You must mention, you must know now, we not too long got a right to vote. Amen. You, you got to remember now that still in this present day, we're still arguing over the fact, and it is still very relevant, that men still make more money than women doing the same thing. Right? Uh, yeah. You still must know that we are uh, considered frail and not able to, to handle certain things in the workforce more so than men. You understand that even now. So let's go all the way back to these women that were following Jesus. The group of five or six of them probably hung out together. Girl, where you get, let me get, because the rest of these people, I see a sea of men. But aren't you glad that an encounter with Jesus, I don't care what obstacles I have to go through, I don't care if I'm in the minority, an encounter with Jesus will cause me to follow after him. That's why I don't have to ask you, are you saved? I can tell whether you've had an encounter with Jesus, whether you're following after him. Amen. That's not what I want to talk about. Let's keep going. So let's start at verse 4 now. It says, when a large crowd had collected, People were coming to him from one town after another. He spoke to them and gave them this parable. Jesus now has a mixed group of people. 
preach. My, my. Jesus spoke in parables such that the common man could understand. Mm -hmm. Right? They couldn't understand the mysteries and the hither and thou and whither and to it and all of that. So he spoke in parables. Yep. And I will dare not say for you, don't be so heavenly minded with all your fancy words. Well, that you miss out on ministering to the common person. Mm -hmm. Don't get so fancy and try to impress them with how long you've been saved with all of these big words that you tell them something that they cannot have understand. Mm -hmm. Please don't run up to them and just start speaking in tongues. It's going to be a problem. <laughs> so Jesus spoke to the crowd that had come in a parable. Mm -hmm. Now, a parable he's using for most of them can understand. And in that day, sowing and farming was something most of them could understand. So he said, a sower went out to sow his seeds. While he was sowing, some of the seed fell by the roadside and was trodden down by the, trodden down, and the birds gobbled it up. Some fell on the rock, and when it sur sur sprouted, it withered from the lack of moisture. Some fell among thorns and bushes, which grew up with the seeds and choked the life out of them. But some fell on good soil and grew and produced a crop a hundred times what had been sown. And when he had said this, he called out, let the man who has ears to hear, hear us then. Verse 9. Then his disciples asked him the meaning of the parable. I found that to be interesting, that my disciples, well, the ones closest to me, couldn't understand the simple parable. Sometimes we can get so heavenly minded that we can't hear God when he's speaking in simple language to mm -hmm. us. We, get, we, we think that he's going to crack the sky and there's going to be some huge thunder. There's going to be some, something that he says that I have to go to the scripture and I have to look through the passage and I have to study and figure out what he said. Sometimes he speaks so simple that we miss God speaking. Mm -hmm. The disciples ask God to interpret the simple parable. Jesus. Don't ever get so close to God and so lifted up in your relationship with him that you only go to see on a lofty level. Correction can come from a simple level. Direction can come from him just using a simple parable. So the disciple asked him the meaning of the parable. I thought that was interesting. To which Jesus replied, you have been given. Ah, listen to how he responds to their question. You have been given the chance to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. Those that are in relationship with Jesus, we can understand the mysteries of God. Yes, I have Jesus in me, the Holy Spirit in me. So he's telling the 12, watch this. You, Jesus replied, you have been given the chance to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. But the others are given parables. All these that may not be saved, those new babes in Christ that just got saved yesterday. Those that still, when they get angry, use words that I tell them don't use. Those still, they have the short paces. And when you tell them to turn to a book in the Bible, they have to go to the front to find out where it is. Those people, those are the people that the parables are giving you. Yeah, yeah, them. He said, now you that have been with me for a while have been given the anointing to understand the mysteries, but parables are spent for those. Watch this. 
So given so that they may go through life with their eyes open mm -hmm. and seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. He says, so I'm trying to get them to understand what's going on. Verse 11. This is what the parable means. Uh -huh. The seed is the message of God. The seed sown by the roadside represents those who hear the message. And then the devil comes and takes it away from their hearts so that they cannot believe it and be saved. That soul on the rock represents those who accepted the message with great delight when they hear it, but have no real root. Those are the ones that get happy in church when they're around this thing. Give them a good hour if y'all not there. Well. <laughs> Sometimes it's less than that, depending if they jump in the concert step and roll rage or something else sets in, I don't know. So those are the ones that have their comfort and their strength only comes amongst the saints. Can't live like that, can't live like that. I would have to carry y'all everywhere I go. I tell y'all at 6.30, meet me at my office, and then we're going we to hang out all day. And then I'm going to need y'all to hang with me on the way home. I would have to take y'all everywhere I go. Jesus. Then it says, they believe. Was. It says, that song on the rock represents those who accept the message with great delight. And when they hear it, but have no root. They believe for a little while. But when the time of temptation comes, they lose faith. Because you know it's going to come now. Yeah. Yeah. And the seed sown amongst the thorns represents the people who hear the message and go on their way. And with the worries and riches and pleasures of living, the light is choked out of them, and in the end they produce nothing. These are the ones that hear the word, and in everyday life, they don't know how to deal with it. The worries and the riches and the pleasure. And before you know it, it has come and choked that very word that was in them out. Jesus. So I have some that only live and write when I'm around y'all. Mm -hmm. How about this? Let me say it in a nicer way. That was bad. The word of the seed doesn't work unless I'm with y'all. Then I have some that the seed gets in. I take it home, step, and I'm still shouting on Tuesday over the word that I heard on Sunday. So far, I'm still saved. That's good. Tuesday, two whole days. I'm good. But the worries and the pleasures and the cares of this life come over time. And it chokes the very word because my roots didn't get deep. He says, but the seed sown on good soil. I want it that the seed sown on good soil. What constitutes good soil? Because I'm going to tell you, if you talk to the seed, the one that's sown on the rock, right? Mm -hmm. That's the ones that only live safe for encouraged around y'all. <laughs> if I go out here and somebody cut me off and I respond in an ungodly way, those on the rock feel like I'm still safe because you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> if, if we tell the truth, we all can justify our seed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
if we tell the truth, I can give God a reason for everything I'm doing there that may not please him. Amen. Ouch. And a lot of my reasons could be I could blame Mike. I could. I could. I could. I could. I could blame the people at job. At the job. I could. I could blame my parents that just didn't love me like they should. I trust me, we can give God all types of excuses for our seed that's not producing the fruit that he says it should yield. Lord Jesus. So I'm not necessarily focusing on the grounds that my seed was sown that didn't produce anything. He says, take the energy off of that. If you work 24 hours a day, 365 days of the year, figuring out what it is to have good ground, you'll be okay. He says, focus on producing good ground. That's where your mind should be, not living on the edge. You know, there are some believers, I don't mean no harm. Sanctification is a strange word in church today. That's a whole whole nother lesson. Sanctification ain't talked about. No. No, Mike, they don't talk about it no more. They they don't talk about living a holy, set-aside life. I don't even know where to start with that. They don't talk about that anymore because I've learned that a lot of believers like living as close to the edge as they can. Well... Yeah, yeah. Sanctification really means that this wasn't in my notes, but since I went there, I might as well go for a minute. Amen? Okay. Amen. So, sanctification is living a life that's set apart. Not trying to figure out what does the Bible say and how far can I live so I just don't miss some stuff, but I'm going to hang out there on the edge. Jesus. You, you know how. Grandpa used to tell us, don't leave the yard. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we didn't leave the yard, Sister Celeste, but we got close to the edge. That's right. <laughs> we tell our friends, come on, we your brother said we can't use, but we running all up and down the edge there. Now, grandma had a big yard too, but grandma said, stay close. We don't leave the yard, but we're going to show her I'm going to get as close as I can. <laughs> well, there was a time when my Uncle Michael, bless his heart. <laughs> His friends playing football at the field, which was on the other block, talking to Mike, and he hanging out by the edge, right? Hanging out by the edge all day, Mr. <clears throat> Cheryl, hanging out all day. We've been back under the shade tree, because ain't nothing out there on the edge for me. See, because in my mind, I'm going to forget where the edge is, Sister Cheryl. And one of my friends going to call me one too many times, Steph, and I'm going to jump over. And at that time, Grandma's going to be looking out the kitchen window. I know she is. So I didn't hang, I didn't live a life on the edge. Because I felt life was too short. I liked my life. So I didn't hang out on the edge. So here was a Saturday, a weekday. We had Grandma's house because we spent the whole summer there. Michael running along the edge, talking to his friends, is playing football. Grandma said, I'm leaving y'all. All right, none of us leaving. Mike got there. All of a sudden, we look. Mike ain't out there on the edge no more. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be good. Now, back in the day, because I love my grandma so, and my uncles gave me such a hard time. So when I didn't see Mike out there in the yard anymore, it was my duty. <laughs> grandma. <laughs> Hey, Helen, what you want? What's going on? First of all, she'd tell us, don't keep running in the house, going to the bathroom. That's right. Right. Y'all had that too? That's okay. right. She, she hated that. So, I, Grandma, I don't see Mike. I don't see Mike. She said, what you mean you don't see Mike? Grandma, Mike ain't out the yard no more. She said, give me a minute. And she had the dish towel, Mike. She dried her hands. 
Only this time, right? She had to oh, stick, cook all day. She dry, and she take her time. She put it down. She stole her out there. And she, my grandmother was singing the choir. She had a bellowing, large voice. She standing at the door. She ain't going far. Mike, hollering. Ain't nobody here, Mike. <laughs> Great. Grandma did not go look for Mike. She didn't go look for him. Mm-mm. She went back in cooking. Now, I'm thinking, Grandma, let's get this party started. <laughs> <laughs> this to happen out here because he might live to pick with me. He, he lived to pick with me, okay? He lived to pick with me. So Rudolph didn't hear Mike. Grandma cooking and all that kind of stuff. Go back in. Later on, here come Mike. And Mike didn't come to the house. Sister he go back to the edge like he's been there all the time. <laughs> so Grandma called us there. Y'all come on, get something to eat. Come on, get something to eat. So we went on back in the house to eat. Mike was sitting down. She said, throw your trash away after we ate. Y'all go out. Mike, don't go nowhere. <laughs> grandma told me, Helene, go out. Well, Grandma, can I stick? No, get out. So I'm, like, so I'm standing at the back screen porch door there, just hearing the thumble and the rumble. <laughs> then all of a sudden, Mike falls out the house. Told him, this is great. <laughs> he says, why you tell me? That was my job. <laughs> So it would go for weeks. I would poke at him for living on the edge. Jesus. See, when I live on the edge, the enemy is just the hands reaching. The closer I stay to the door, I got a long way. I got a long time to think about it before I get all the way out the yard. Believers now are living on the edge. Jesus. And you are nothing but one temptation away from yielding and going somewhere that you shouldn't go. Stop trying to exhaust the mercy and grace of God by living on the edge. See, so the sanctification part is not for doing Jesus any good. It's for your good. Amen. We, Michael and I reconciled later in life. <laughs> but it was a struggle. It was good, though. It says, but the seed sown on good soil means the man who hears the message and accepts it with good and honest heart and go on steadily producing a good crop. I'm on verse 16 now. Watch this. And you almost have to say, Lord, how does this next verse fit in with what you just told us. You just explained to us what the seeds being sown on the different soils meant. Then now we get to the part where, what does this mean? Verse 16, nobody lights a lamp and covers it with a basin or puts it under the bed. No, a man puts his lamp on a lampstand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden now, which will not become perfectly plain, and there are no secrets now, which will not become as clear as daylight. Watch this. The man with the good and honest heart. That's the soil of the heart of a man that seeds are sown on good ground. Honest and good heart. The Bible says you're going to produce a good crop, okay? Then it says, because of your honest and pure heart, 
There's going to be a lamp and a light that is set in you that you don't cover up. There is nothing secret in a man with a good and honest heart. I begin to think, what does an honest heart look like? Am I being honest with you or do I need to be honest with myself? There are a lot of people that your heart is not honest because you're not honest with you. Yeah? Being honest with you. What does, when I say, God, what does, I know a good heart. I would say a good heart. I go around doing nice things. I, I go around being kind to people. Uh -huh. I go around whenever I can help, I help. Whatever good and whenever I can bring joy to somebody, I do it. But what does an honest heart look like? Am I honest with me? Am I honest with you? Am I honest with God? Do y'all understand there are three different things? Some of us aren't honest with ourselves, so I know I can't be honest with God. Even when I pray, I'm not honest with him. Because I really am not honest with me, so I don't even know what I ought to pray for. Well, let's look and see what does that word honest really mean in the context in which it is written. It really means an excellent and honorable, exceptional heart, a pure heart. It really means that you are being open and there is nothing hidden. Now, let's go back to say that that's the type of soil your seed should be sown in. So when the word of God is going forth on a Sunday or on a Thursday, if my heart is not honest and good, the seed still is not being sown in good ground. If I am not honest with my condition of my heart, if I'm not honest in my feelings, in my relationships with people that I know, don't even raise your hand. How many of you say you get along with people that you really, really don't? How many people did you say you love people that honestly, the right word is you like them? Ouch. And that's minimal. That's the basis. How many are in no people that you love because Jesus said you had to? Yeah. Ouch. Not because you want to. Oh, here's a good one. How many of you have relationships where you say you forgave somebody and you really, 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 really didn't? Ouch. You said you, you did all the right things. You said it out of your mouth. You even said, we talked about this in Bible study one night. We were dealing with anger, it's a whole nother issue. But when we said that in order for me to really forgive, I have, there has to be a confession of the art that I have done. So you just don't say I'm sorry. Back in the day, your parents used to say, sorry for what? Uh -huh. They made you say what you did wrong. So here's the thing, an honest heart is the heart that is open and pure unto God. God, I'm struggling to forgive my sister and my brother. I know your word says I should. But God, I'm gonna need you to help me forgive them. Because it hurt more than I care to admit. Happened years ago, but if you think about it now, it's still fresh. God, I thought I forgave, but I did. Tell me what's in me that I can't let this go. 
Lord, Lord, I know you told me that, that I should be happy. Here's one too. Oh, I don't know if it's a male thing or a female thing. The Bible says rejoice with them that do rejoice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> y'all know where I'm going. When I, I appear to be happy when y'all are blessed. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for you on this side. I'm happy. I'm happy. But somewhere in the heart area, the Lord knows now. You said it, but you ain't happy. They get that they got a new something, and you didn't get new something. The Lord said, "Now I know that part of you. You said you were happy, but deep down, there's still not a look. There's a little jealousy somewhere." Yeah, see, remember now, it's easy when he talked about the, the, the seeds sown on the rock. Mm-hmm. It's easy talking about the seed that was scorched and, and trotting on. But this honest heart is really something we got to work on. Because that's the part where we hide and can't nobody see. Look, but let me tell you how, let's go back to this scripture. I'm going to show you how, because we do have to pray because we have communion, but this blessing is that. Let me tell you what kind of condition your seed is in. The Bible says when you sow in a good and honest heart, something is going to happen. Now, I love these baking shows recently. I've gotten into them. I ain't even turning on the oven yet. <laughs>
faith that's pouring in the field. You look over there and see it. I want y'all to know, and this may hurt your feelings, I don't have to tell you what kind of heart you have. I can see it all of you. That's why he says, judge yourself first to make sure that you have a good and honest heart. Thanks for listening to the Life Worship Center podcast with Pastor Helene Robinson. If you're interested in joining us on Sundays, our services are held at the Clarence Cuffey Community Center at 2019 Windy Road, Chesapeake, Virginia, 23324. Our Sunday morning service is held at 1 p.m. and our Bible studies are held on Thursdays at 7 p.m. Join us and be blessed and remember, there's life in the word.